welcome everybody to the RC. Oops, I mean the Yeezus report as I've taken over his segment since he called me Scotty Pippen. We're gonna see what's up. How you doing today, Ronnie? I am doing all right. I'm kind of bored, but uh, uh, the last dance is uh, helping me out. Yeah, it's really not much going on in sports. Um, however, as much as I know Corey and, and the younger crowd hates to see it, we are going to recap yesterday's episode seven and eight of The Last Dance. And I think the number one thing that's on everybody's mind is the ending of episode seven, where we got to see Michael show a little bit of vulnerability and emotion when talking about who he was as a player and how, you know, it's going to be hard for people to separate the player from the person. Um, what was your take on episode seven and the emotion that you saw at the end? Uh, I thought I was surprised he cried. But I think he was so overcome with emotion about... They actually said this is like one of the first uh, hours that the guy... They don't do it necessarily in order. You know, they cut it up and everything. They said it's one of the first hours that mm-hmm. the director said he spent with them. So I think it was just him. He obviously did this to get a lot of stuff off his chest. And I think he summed up his sports philosophy philosophy perfect like he was gonna win and if he had to drag you across the finish line to be great that's what he was gonna do and it cost him a lot in life and that's what greatness and single-minded determination these are not healthy people the greatest people of all times they're very single-minded people and they're not well-rounded but they achieve greatness because they have that determination to do that one thing Yeah, I think, I, I'm not going to lie, I was overcome with, with some emotion. I'm not crying, obviously, but, I mean, Jordan is my hero, and he's he's the apex alpha of, of all athletes to me, and to see him say what he said and, and, and mean it with that type of conviction to where he was basically about to cry, it made me feel better about my choices, picking him as the guy that I, I always wanted to be like as far as an athlete and, and with that mentality. Um, and just to read you the quote, um, Jordan said, when people see this, they're going to say, well, he wasn't really a nice guy. He may have been a tyrant. Well, that's you because you never won anything, which I think is the best line ever. <laughs> that is great line. I wanted to win, but I wanted them to win. Yeah. I wanted them to win and be a part of that as well. And then he goes on and says something that's very truthful. Look, I don't have to do this. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That is how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. And he said, break. But in between that or before that, there was one phrase that I think should be a quote that is used by every athlete and person um, just in life. Winning has a price. Leadership has a price. I mean, it doesn't get more raw than that, man. And I know some people probably like, oh, y'all on George's job. But I mean, let's be honest. We don't we don't get that from guys like him. We don't really hear their take on on anything. Like Jordan, for from what is worth, since he retired the second time, I mean, he's been he's not in the media. He doesn't do a lot of public speaking. Yeah, I I think this a lot of reflection about his legacy and uh, maybe some of it 
with LeBron. They said he's been holding on to this for a long time. The tapes. Uh, Bill Simmons was trying to get it when he was at ESPN and Jordan wouldn't budge. And I think a lot of this, he's reflecting. He's old. He's over 50. He might be 60. And he's reflecting on how people feel about him. And after winter, the first thing people say is he was an asshole. Yeah, and and I'm fine with that. I mean, hey, like he said, leadership and winning comes at a price. To get to the level that he was at to win championships, you don't even have to talk about six. Just in general, to win championships in that time frame consistently, when you're talking about from, what, 1990 until 98, and he took, what, two years off, and then there was a, the year that they got ousted by the Magic. No, that was the, but to win that many titles. Let me correct you on that one, because everybody says two years because they want to get my pass. Yeah. yeah, he came back for 18 yeah. games left in that second year. So I want to make sure we don't yeah. skirt. I do that sometimes, too. Yeah, he, but yeah, he lost. I want so to make wasn't, that clear. Wasn't, he lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he lost. And 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 I think I think, honestly... The the true well actually you know what I'll say that to the end because we're gonna I'm gonna ask you a question about what you think so far about the whole thing but uh, just episode seven the the fact that he was able to get that out of the players that he had around him and people like to focus on how well they did when he was gone they won three championships when he was there they didn't get to the Eastern Conference Finals right yeah, when he was gone good. the first season and I think they were pretty much struggling the, like the second year yeah. they were like 34 and 33 they yeah. got to the semifinals and they lost yeah. now what a lot of people like to take away they didn't show in a documentary is i think game five or six there was a phantom call where they called a foul on scotty at the end and uh, i can't remember who was shooting but uh and it kind of gave them a game there but at the same time they didn't win and so they didn't get to the finals they won over 50 games they exceeded expectations but it's kind of like Brady. You know, they had a good system and everything. But obviously, the championship winning was done with Michael. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's honestly the difference, man. I mean, I don't know why people why people keep harping on who he had around him. They were not winning championships when he wasn't there. Obviously, he either got the best out of everybody or was capable enough of, of putting this team on his shoulders from time to time in the clutch situations and driving them to victory. I mean, they went from having to use Tony Kukoc for game-winning shots to to him pretty much closing out games. And I think that's what some of um, Episode 7 was hinting on, Episode 8 was hinting on, is that when he wasn't there, like, yeah, Pippen's good, but he's not He's not the, the force. He's not the... He's not a closer. Um, the presence, yeah, that, that is. Jordan is. And... And for what it's worth, the triangle is a great system, but think about it. If you don't have a Jordan or a Kobe, like, what are, what are we really talking about? If you don't have those closers, what are we really talking about? What, what is Phil's legacy without those closers? Yeah, I mean, Phil picked the Have wisely. you ever considered that? Like, not to knock him. Yeah, not to knock him at all, because, I mean, it's not his fault he found two people that could effectively maximize his system. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what you want as a coach. But I'm just saying... You gotta give credit to these guys, even if they do, or they're playing with two other all stars, et cetera, et cetera. And and you can use that 
terminology or, or thought process for LeBron too. If you go into a team that's good and you make them great, you are just as yeah. I mean, you deserve your accolades, and I, I don't. I'm just a little annoyed with the way people are trying to to dilute Jordan's legacy uh, based off of this documentary. I don't. I don't see it. I still see greatness. Maybe I'm blind. Maybe I'm biased, but I still see greatness. I don't know how you could not see greatness. You would have to be an idiot. And I think uh, when people, if their only knowledge or most of their knowledge is coming from the documentary, they can uh, mess it up. Because I've seen, I think the only thing that you could, a fair knock, whatever the, whatever the reason, he quit twice, but he definitely quit one time yeah. in the prime of his career. Now, I would say... Uh, consideration would be he was the most famous person in the world, give or take Michael Jackson in the nineties, and that kind. And people, people don't understand yes. what it was like back then. Younger people like Corey. I don't know if you have the knowledge of it or not. And I see D. Pre Johnson talk about it. But you were in this fishbowl when you're Beatles famous, Michael Jackson famous, Elvis famous. You are so big that literally crowds and mobs and many riots can start. Because you are on the streets. That's not the kind... Maybe Muhammad Ali too. But that's not the kind of fame that LeBron has. And we view celebrities so much different. So to be in that constant fishbowl. And to be one of the first big time multimedia, mass media athletes. Was an amazing amount of pressure. But on the same token. He got tired and he quit. And he took a break. Yeah. And and I'm not even going to lie. I mean... The man did three in a row. He was tired after two. And those are his words. He was tired after two, and he would have quit, but Magic and, and them never got three in a row. And then he had to fulfill his Olympic obligation, which I think is admirable, um, that he wanted to fulfill that or felt the need to fulfill that. And then he was going to retire either way. Now, if he had a loss with his drive, I, yeah, he would have I yeah. think it would be safe to assume that he wouldn't have retired. But... He did. He did what he wanted to, as far as his accomplishments, and he walked away. And it's, it is somewhat unfortunate because we are left with questions as to whether or not he could have potentially done four in a row, or how many could he have won in a row if he had never retired. Maybe, who knows? Maybe he would have, um, if his heart's not in it or something. Maybe he would have got hurt or something. You know, um, anything could happen. There's all these other if ands or buts. But I definitely wanted to make sure we touched on that. And and this coming from a guy who's a, a huge Jordan fan. I'm not, I don't think I'm a stand, but I could be. The man was flawed. Don't get me wrong. He was flawed. I have a problem with you quitting if you won three championships yeah, in a row. Yeah, it's not like he quit because he <laughs> lost. Know, and also, the other thing I'll say about Jordan, yeah. and it sounds like I'm making excuses, but, I, I mean, I, you come to respect and understand it. It's not, I mean, if, if LeBron want to win three in a row and take a break, that's fine. That's different. Nobody else has done it besides Bill Russell yeah. and the Celtics. So that makes you think about how crazy it was to win seven. It's hard to have that kind of consistency and constantly get yourself up. But I will say the level he played at, the intensity that he played at, and also he, it wasn't a challenge. It, he had to keep inventing reasons to motivate himself because he was that much better than everybody. So he literally was making up stuff. So that's part of it too. Nobody dominated the game the way he did and had the team success. You could say Wilt, you know, but Wilt didn't have as much team success. So nobody has dominated the game on the court and as a teammate 
or as part of a team like Jordan did. Yeah, and I mean, it's day in, day out, man, to play at the top level like that. Um, I mean, he had to be tired. And, and, I, and I think we could also be critical in the fact that you could say he was somewhat short-sighted. He, I don't think he thought past be, being better than Magic and Larry. I don't think he did. And once he got to that to that pinnacle, to that mountaintop, and he looked out and was like, well, there's nothing else left for me, kind of uh, in a funny way, because Forrest Gump was on this Sunday. Um, it reminded me of how Forrest ran all the way across the nation, and he got to that one point, and he just kind of looked out and was like, well, I'm done now, and just went home. And, I mean, Jordan had a had a goal in mind, I guess, and once he got to that point, and he, he passed Larry, he passed Magic, uh, Zeke was gone. He he had, he had uh, exercised those piston demons. The Knicks were never a problem. What else is there left? Like what else is there left for him to do? And so really he, he left. And I don't and, think they ever envisioned. In a kind of. I don't think they ever envisioned a, people playing yeah, as long as they did. Like I think Magic played nine or ten years. Bird played eight mm-hmm. nine years. Uh, medicine and training has gotten so much better. So him retiring after nine years wasn't that crazy. I mean, Kareem played twenty years, but everybody else. They weren't playing 15 years. Yeah, Kareem played for a while, man. Literally 20 years. And he was a big man, too, in a, in a, and came up and came up physically. So, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. But I think he also took really good care of his body, too, in regards to, like, stretching and, and stuff like that. He also had extracurricular activities, uh, yoga and martial arts, I think, kept him uh, more limber than what we see. A lot of our bigs usually get stiff as they get older, but he stayed pretty loose. And then he had that sky hook that nobody could block. So, just I mean, extended him. But, yeah, like, that's incredible. And then for a guy like Jordan, the way he played, like you said, with that intensity for him to continue to play as long as he did, um, I mean, there's so many, I guess you could call them um, Easter eggs, in this documentary, in the episodes before you get to episode seven, that shows like he was he was well aware of understanding that he could not keep this up forever. And I think there was one one uh, quote, maybe it was episode um, five or six, where he had talked about like you know um, Patrick. I think this was him reflecting in '98. Um, but Patrick Ewing had said something like they're gonna have to carry him um, off the court. You know, when it's his time to go. And Jordan was like, I don't want to be carried off the court. I want to walk off the court, you know? So, like, you could always, like, there's always something there that kind of lets you know that he never intended to stay until he couldn't function anymore. And I know we're talking about, what, 94? I mean, it was a, it was a, a like you said, a nine year run, like an eight, nine year run where he had three championships in that time span. I mean, he needed a break. You know, we would probably call that soft now. I'm not going to lie. We would probably call that soft now. Um, and you could call Jordan soft, too. He's human. He's human. I think uh, a lot of us tend to put these guys on pedestals and forget that they, too, are human. Not human like Pippen, which we'll get to later, but <laughs> the man got tired. I think the other thing, too, tired. is that he <laughs> never... Know? he. I watched the man. I hated the man. I rooted against the man. But then, you mean in the end, he beat you down, so you had to take respect for him. But he did not take plays yeah. off. He did not take games off. You see a lot of guys like LeBron. He's resting on defense no. now and things like that. I'm not trying to dog LeBron. 
Jordan played hard every night. You saw in the first two episodes of just a scrimmage against yeah. European teams. He truly believed that if you paid your money to come see him play, he I totally told agree. you his um, best. Yeah. And there's nobody at the NBA that does that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you don't get that kind of energy level from your, your A1 athletes anymore. Um, you know, imagine if Kawhi played with that type of energy level. <laughs> I mean, he's 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 a great talent, man. Yeah, yeah. He's a great talent, and he, he's actually very technical uh, on, on offense and defense. Like, if you watch his game, it's, it's not just it's, – it's a beauty to it in the sense that he's just so smooth – uh, offense and defense and just the way he, he can get his shots, the way he defends everybody, tall, short, small, strong, it doesn't matter. But the energy level, you don't get that kind of energy level every night. Now, you get it in the playoffs. You definitely get in the playoffs, which is probably why he's um, had such a nice uh, run of postseason um, games. But you don't really get that every night. And Jordan played – with the game six, seven intensity, closeout game intensity every night. And um, I thought it was great that they showed, you know, there was a game where he didn't have it and the guy dogged him and it was a nobody. Yeah, <laughs> a yeah. Nobody. Like a who's who of, of players. And, and everybody's like, oh, LeBron would never. LeBron would never. Like, come on, man. Like, it's not about that. This is the Jordan documentary. It's LeBron, not, LeBron's this had dudes cook him before. Show people. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he has though. He has, and and he's had his hiccups and, and games like this. These guys are human, but at the end of the day, it's not about this documentary. Is not about making Jordan look better than LeBron because Jordan already looks better than LeBron in most people's eyes. It's just a generational gap where people don't respect it. But um, at the end of the day, it just shows like the type of person that he was. Like, dude made up a lot. Made up a lot. <laughs> And remembered that lie, what, like, what they say it was like six seasons, like five or six seasons later, like he remembered it and he was like, oh yeah, I made that up. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous, man. That is so ridiculous. So yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, so we finally got to the meat of one of the reasons why Jordan didn't or was nervous about making the documentary um, or showing the tapes. And it was more so like how he treated his teammates, the supporting cast, not Pippen. Um, we talked about they talked about Scott Burrell, who just seems like like Jordan said, just a nice guy. He just took it, man. In all the clips, he just took it. Um, and some of the clips earlier uh, in the 98 season, like when they were overseas, Scott Burrell actually initiated ticking Jordan off by messing with him. So Jordan would, you know, come back at him and, and um, talk shit to him. So I thought that was funny. And then uh, the infamous Steve Kerr fight, which I never knew that Kerr actually technically threw the first punch or, or hit him in the chest first. I thought, well, like, from what I understood, it was just George's punch to do. But, well, though, well, the way they told the, it, the way they told, yeah, they told it. it yeah, but the foul initiate. <laughs> I mean, you can't foul somebody on purpose, say that's a foul. I still think Jordan is the initiator, but I know what you're saying. But that's definitely provocation. You're not getting yeah. the calls you want, and you just hit somebody, and it's a fake foul, and then somebody hits you back. Like, <laughs> that's still, I know what you're saying, but, uh, uh, yeah, yeah it's still shaky I, on Jordan. I like, I like that. Um, 
I thought um, the only thing I really wish they had of talked to was Luke Longley, and I saw some stuff on the internet about that. Um, just because it sound like it sounds like Luke and Jordan clashed, and Luke never really responded to Jordan in the way that he wanted. But I mean, obviously they still found success. But he seemed to to ask Bill like ask things out of Bill Winnington, and Winnington seemed like he understood like you know Jordan's gonna be a jerk, but. It's like the guys in the in the first championship run were able to separate Jordan from the the player on the court and the guy off the court, but it didn't seem like Kerr and the next generation of guys that were there for the the second uh, three peat could do that. I think too. Did you get that vibe? I did, but I think he had it out for them even more because he had more to prove because he was trying to come back, and those guys. He said it, they were reaping the benefits of the three P, but it had nothing to do with it. And so he made it his, he put extra sauce on their stuff, I believe, because they weren't a part of it, but they still got the Bulls treatment. And he basically said it. So I think they responded like that because he probably was less like one of the guys than he probably was more down to earth. And those other guys saw Jordan becoming Jordan Whereas he was already the rock star. He was already Elvis, Michael Jackson, the Beatles before. I mean, it, when he, when they, uh, the, the, the white boy trio met him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, one of the, what a, one of the things that I think is the most interesting storyline is how this man, poor coo coach, man, he just, he didn't ask for any of this, man. He didn't ask for this. He didn't ask for Jordan and, and Pippen to hate him for no reason. Like, why Why does that seem to be a common theme in, in the latter episodes, in the, the 96, 97, 98 episodes? Like, it's like, dude, why are y'all so mean to this man? At the end of the day, they were threatened by Kukoc because he could play. He was coming in. He was younger. He was their potential replacement. And they felt threatened and jealous also of the attention he'd be getting. They weren't used to another guy that could actually score and maybe get some of the limelight. Like Dennis had a special role. Horace had a special role. But to have mm-hmm. a guy with a little bit of star power, that that was just a different thing. And it's just so funny. They showed how many times Ku coach, at least two or three, that season hit game-winning shots. Like that was the best option. Regardless yeah. of what Scotty thought. That was the best option because you ain't a closer, Scotty. You ain't a catch-and-shoot guy. I mean, let's uh, let's just go ahead and knock it out, y'all. Scotty Pippen's a whole hoe for that. I, I don't care what nobody says, man. I as a as a competitor, if if I'm on that team, bro, I don't want to play with them anymore. I mean, obviously, ain't none of them really got to say so in that because Scotty's still like at that time he's definitely the star of the team. But I mean, Bill Cartwright crying. No, I'm I'm trying to fight. Like you can't leave us out there like that. That was the most ridiculous thing. I, and I, I obviously I heard about it and, and lived through it. But just to see it all over again, and to hear him basically double down in his slow talking method, I probably still do it again. Like nah, man. <laughs> what? What? You gonna probably still do it again? And that's why you only made two million dollars. For the X amount of seasons, <laughs> luckily he was able to salvage that in the latter part of his career. But what what kind of like how do you do that as a competitor, man? Scotty could never ever handle the pressure 
um, of being the number one guy. He <sighs> overcame it to some degree of just being the number two. It was a struggle when you had the game seven. They used to call, when I was a kid, they called Scotty Charmin because he was soft. I mean, so that mentality, he always had like a little bit of bitch in him. That's what I used to say about LeBron. And that's how Scotty is. And I think uh, Will Bond said, wrote an article back then, said he was a punk. And it's just a punk move. And Scotty couldn't handle the pressure of being in Michael's shadow. And it was finally his turn. And he thought he should have been treated like Michael. But you're not Michael. So you can't, you just don't, you just can't do that. And and it shows what, I don't, I, he just cracks under pressure. I don't think that's his character. I think he cracks under pressure. I saw when, when he was on the Blazers and the Lakers came back with his big time run and won. And he was smacking the tiles and throwing everything around in the locker room or whatever on the way to the locker room. That's just Scotty. If he doesn't have Jordan beside him, hyping him up, like Jordan said, I had to stand beside him. If Jordan not standing right there with him, he's going to crack under the pressure. Yeah, it's just unfortunate to see it all over again, man. And then, like, you know, the the, the guys on that team are looking to looking for him to, you know, replace Jordan – they're winning. They're playing good basketball. Everybody's feeling good about themselves, and then he does that. And even like I think it was great for you know Paxson, Kerr, and everybody to to say you know even though we won the game, it didn't feel right. Like that's just not something you could shake. And even Jordan uh, had made a comment, and, and I think Phil said Jordan had called him and was like, "What was that about? Like you know he can't ever shake that down. Like Scotty knows better than that." But in the same breath, you got to think if Jordan was in that game or Jordan was on that team, Scotty would have been right out there. He'd have inbounded that ball. Yep. <laughs> yep. Jordan would have ripped him a new one. And, and I mean, and honestly, that that could be also, like I said, just one of those small things, man. I mean, it it's amazing when you get superior athletes on a team that's good and how much better they can make that team with, with their ability and just leadership. And we see that at every level when, when we have a superior athlete, when it's a team sport, when you add that player, it's a significant change. Like we're talking about a team, like like we said, didn't get to the Eastern Conference Finals and a three P team. That's a drastic difference. And yeah, all they is. had all they added, well, they added Robin. But even before even before Robin, because that first season they still had Horace Grant yep, and they still had Pippen. Yep. They did. You just took Jordan out the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just took Jordan out the equation, and the difference in that is just so significant. And I, I think that's kind of lost in translation with people trying to, you know, say that well Jordan had help. It's basketball, man. It's ultimately a team sport. You know, it's a team sport. I, I get sick of hearing people with these arguments. Well, he had help. Granted, we don't. Nobody wants to see somebody like Durant run to a 72 or 73 win team or something like that. Like, yeah, we don't want to see that. But at the end of the day, you still got to play the game. And then when people say, yeah, no, play the game. this is a documentary. So, like the people back then, nobody thought, I mean, maybe that one year, Scotty Pippen was not the second best player in the, year, uh, 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 in the league ever. He was not. He couldn't do what Patrick ever, Ewing ever, did. The Yankees weren't that good. He couldn't do what Patrick ever. Ewing did. I, I he couldn't do what Olajuwon or Barkley. He wasn't Olajuwon. He wasn't Olajuwon. He wasn't Barkley. He wasn't Ewing. I mean, he just wasn't those guys. They don't respect that man like that. Yeah, no. Yeah, they don't respect that man Isaiah. like that. 
You don't hear Barkley and them talk about him like that. You heard how Zeke dissed them. Zeke was like, you? You? Like, who are you? Like, yeah, Jordan can say that. Bird can say that. Magic. But Scotty? And, and that was pure. That was true. Yeah. That was true. They did not respect him like that. But the minute this documentary came out, everybody's like, look at Scott. Look how good Scott Pippen is. Oh, my God. It's criminal how much he didn't get paid. Like, what? He is the I'm perfect. Around, like, I lived through that. I don't recall any of this. <laughs> he, he, he's the perfect I don't recall backup. Anything. He's the perfect... Uh, he's just the perfect Robin. Like, he just is perfect in that second role because he can do all the little things and not have the big pressure, but he can do all the little things that make a team great. And he's like a linchpin. He's like a very important part of the car, but he's not your engine. I don't even know if he's Robin. He's more like Oracle, man. (laughs) (laughs) He's more like Oracle in some cases. Commissioner Gordon. (laughs) Commissioner Gordon. But, yeah. Yeah, so so we ended we ended um episode eight with a cameo by Reginald Miller, who I, I can already tell he about to say some stuff that's gonna make me mad. But he that was, was under the impression that, that he dude, could Reggie. That he could guy. he could retire Michael Jordan. And and I definitely appreciate the fact that people saw blood in the water and let him know and didn't realize that that was motivation for him. And if they probably had to just shut up, they would have been fine, but they just had to fuel his fire. But um, one of my main takeaways from, from this so far, and we're going to, I'm going to ask you what yours are. Uh, one of my main takeaways is that Jordan played against people that we all regard as legends uh, in their own right. Isaiah Thomas, Patrick Ewan, uh, Magic, Larry, all these guys, and the way they talk about him, even though he beat them or even though they didn't they didn't necessarily like him as a person, they all ultimately respected him. And there's a lot of people's legacies that were affected by this one man and his run. Like, dude, imagine Isaiah Thomas if if Jordan doesn't win uh if Jordan doesn't knock them out and, and go on that three, that, that first three P, Zeke probably would have had three or four. Yeah. That team was that team was good still. Yeah, but I mean, he he essentially stopped Zeke, stopped Zeke short, took it from Magic, and then ran Clyde, uh, Kemp, and Peyton and and Barkley. Malone, Stockton, Barkley, you. Barkley in his MVP season, you know, like. And not to take away from any anybody uh, in regards of what they've done and, and, and what we see guys do now, but in respect to his generation, he dominated and he solidified himself as the best of that era. And I think that ultimately my takeaway from that is that it's undisputed. It's undisputed. Like You can talk about all the time, that's fine, but from the time Jordan got to the league until he retired in 98, after that '98 season, when he played, it was undisputed. He was the best basketball player on the on the court. The only person win or lose. The the only person that well, uh, yeah, the only person other than Wilt, but the only person in my lifetime that his contemporaries were in awe of is Michael Jordan. 
there was a fear. And then and the new generation mm-hmm. is going to say, oh my gosh, they were punks for letting him do that. No, he was that much better than you. And they literally had a thing around the league mm-hmm. to say, don't look him in the eye. Don't talk to him. Don't give him any reason to be motivated. That was a thing. Kobe is disgusting. Kobe's like, what? Mm-hmm. What do you mean don't look at another man in the eye? But that was what was going around the league, that he was such a tyrant and he had such an iron grip. Grip, Steve Kerr said this man had a physical, a mental, and a spiritual grip on the league. These were grown men, yeah. bosses, coming up from rough backgrounds and rough play. And he and not everybody was scared of him. Ewan wasn't scared of him. Bear Payton wasn't scared of him, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But he, they just knew that he was doing things that nobody else ever did. And that that's the amazing that your your competitors in awe, are in awe of you. I love LeBron, but and I'm not trying to make it a LeBron thing, but I don't think Kevin Durant is in awe of LeBron James. He's just like, okay, he's good, he's the best, he's great. Maybe I'm better than him. I don't. I definitely know that Steph Curry is not in awe of LeBron. You know, his competitors don't speak. And this was way mm-hmm. back when, because I had the NBA Superstars two VHA, VS, v, VHS tape, and they were in awe of him. And even they had Carl Malone, Magic Johnson, just raving about all the things Jordan could do. You know, it's just the reverence that people, his competitors have for him. That's what shows you how great he is. And even Larry Bird saying it yeah, was God. And, and Larry think, Bird uh, said you were God on a court. Larry Bird, who barely gives out compliments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Larry, Larry don't compliment. He even he hardly complimented Magic, and that was his rival. Yeah, yeah. I I think um the one time I was I mean I'm obviously in awe of LeBron's athletic ability, but as far as him dominating and being a competitor, the year that he uh came back and beat the the Warriors, that was that that amazing, particular man. series, man. Like he was just he was just incredible. It was amazing. And and I'm not gonna lie, I was so happy for the dude because I wanted to see that LeBron for so long. I wanted to see that LeBron for so long. If that LeBron was present when they played the Mavericks, they would have won that series. They would have won that series. Even if he did still have that eight point game, they would have won that series, man. Like just the dog in him, like the look in his eyes. Like him looking at Draymond, telling him to shut up or the Curry sit down and stuff like that. Like just that that presence, man. It was like he was possessed by something. And I'm like, finally, we get evil LeBron, man. You took the headband off, and now you're just a savage. And <laughs> I wanted to see that, and and I mean, he's he's just never had that, and it's fine. He's still a great player, and he still could go down as the all-time undisputed greatest player of all time. And I'm still going to take Michael Jordan just for the fact that he's got that look in his eyes. He's got that dog, man. And I just – I need that as a as a fan, as a competitor. And like I said, I'm not knocking LeBron. I think what Jordan said in his quote was, was probably um, directed towards th- this newer generation. If you don't play the game like that or if you don't want to play the game like that, then don't play the game like that. Don't be like him. He's telling them that. Like, he doesn't, you don't have to be like him, but this is how he played the game. This is how, this was his expectation when you stepped on the court with him as a teammate. He wanted to win, and he put that above everything. Everything. And and I think that's, like, there's some good and bad in there with him, and I think this documentary is showing that. Um, we still have, what, two more episodes left? Yep. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm glad, and I, and I like how it's flowing right now. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's good. It's something to watch. 
I didn't know how Tim was going to play out, but it's got a good rhythm to it. I don't think it's the greatest documentary I've ever seen, but it's got a real good rhythm to it. I'm used to the time jumps. Um, it, it just, and, and last night was very compelling because of just retirement and all that. And it's got a good narrative. Like it's got a good flow. It, it has cliffhangers, even though you know what's happening. So it, it's, it's well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also shout out to Corey as as Le- um, LeBron as Jordan vindicated his his whole bashing of Gary Payton when he laughed at him. I thought that <laughs> I thought that was Just laughed at him. I thought that was insecurity on Jordan's part because Gary Payton did affect him. Gary he can say, "Oh, I was thinking about my dad or whatever," but the whole series you were balling until he came. Like he, you were balling until he came on you, and then then you were thinking about your dad. I think a lot, it's funny, but when you're compensating that much to laugh at somebody, I think it got under his skin because Gary Payton was very good at guarding him. Mm-hmm. I know you're a Jordan I mean, fan. You know, the one thing about these, no, I know, I know, hey, I remember that series too because I was like, I was like, um, they came back. <laughs> like, wait a minute. I'm mad they didn't give my man Detlef Shrimp any love or no, Sam no, no. Perkins. Like, no. hey, they contributed. They definitely Her- did. Wasn't was Hawkins on that team too? Hershey, Hershey Hawkins, yeah. Hershey yeah, Hawkins, they just showed Kemp in the. Yep. They didn't talk to Kemp. Yeah, yeah. They had an eye squad, man. They could have gave him more shine, but um, no. I mean, I give Gary some credit. It, I look at it like this: we like when Ali get hit good or Floyd, they two great defensive fighters. When they got popped by somebody, they stick their tongue out and shake their head. You know, you got it. Jordan sat back and laughed like that, like that belly laugh, and was like, I know the glove, and, and kind of dismissed it. You know you got to him. Like, you know, take it how you want to. These dudes ain't never going to give you full credit yeah, and tell you that you, know, you, down. you really nah. affected them or oh, anything oh, like that. But it's, it's in there. Yeah, it's it's in there in the body language. Um, so there was an actual sporting event held this weekend. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, there was an actual sporting event um, and it was UFC 249, and it was held in the great state of Corona-free Florida. And I don't watch UFC, really, and it's nothing really against UFC. I don't, I don't like Dana White, but I respect the athletes. It just ain't my thing. And I don't think you watch UFC either, do you? I'm a casual, very casual. Like, it's got to be okay. Spider Silver, Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, they'll pull me in with a okay. they create a star, but that's it. So the reason why I think this is newsworthy and I wanted to talk about and get your opinion is that I'm well documented on calling Dana White the lowest of the low, and I don't like how he does business, and and I'm always vocal about that. And me and one of the guys, uh, Brandon, were talking about it in the group. I was openly opposed to the whole idea of UFC holding an event, like a promotion. I'm like, how is this even possible? And then I saw it was in Florida, and I was like, okay, never mind. But still, like, how are you going to protect the fighters? And I think they had three fighters who tested positive before the event even started. But report comes out from Stephen Espinoza, who, just to give you a background on where I'm going with this, Stephen Espinoza works for Showtime. He is basically... The, the Dana White for Showtime. He, he sets up the matchmaking for Showtime combat sports, right? So he's pro-Floyd Mayweather. Him and Dana work together for the Mayweather-Conor McGregor 
BS fight. Things. So they know each other very well. Espinosa is well known. Yeah, he's well known in the, in the fight circle. He has a law background. So somebody put out a tweet, like a, a beat writer, says, "Does anyone know why you're not seeing any critical comments from fighters, corners, managers at UFC 249 about health and safety issues?" And it says, "Hint: It's not because everyone is 100% satisfied with the measures." Espinoza retweets it and says it's because they were required to sign a document which says that they can lose their whole purse and bonuses if they say anything negative about the COVID protocols set up by UFC. Now, obviously, Dana came out and, and you know, in typical meathead fashion, a lot of cursing and stuff like that, dismissed it and said it was a disparagement agreement or disparagement clause, not a non-disclosure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, where do you take <laughs> that, man? Like, I, I have to bring it up because, again, we we both we both are – we both understand the hustle of what these promoters do. Like, we've, we've been on record saying Dana White ain't nothing but Don King with, with a bald head and Bob Arum with a bald head. Like, you know, they're the same person. Is this not the biggest load of BS you've ever heard? I mean – First of all, we got it. Hopefully, we don't have any UFC fans listening. But first of all, it's human cockfighting. So when you start, I don't <laughs> if care. Start, if you started that, if you <laughs> started is, that, like the is. boxing is shady, but like UFC is even like it's, it's even closer. Like there's a, and I, I'm not saying it doesn't take skill, but the science to the boxing, the strategy, and all that, and, and, and it just seems superior to me. I'm sorry, maybe that's old school, but I appreciate both. Like, but. I do think that there is a science to buy the sweet science. That's why they call it sweet science. But I think, and I told Corey this, what you just told me. And he was like, no, well, you respect. But, and, and he almost talked me into it. So sometimes even Corey can talk me into stuff, but to sit there and put these people <laughs> at risk and yeah, they're volunteering for it. But then once they get there, if they see the conditions were not the conditions promised, they still can't speak out. It's unbelievable. And people call me a tyrant. I don't even think I would do that. Like, if I had all that on the line, I don't even think I would do that. It's some Vince McMahon shit is what this is. Yeah. It really is, and it can only take place in Florida because I can tell you right now, Nevada would have never, Nevada's Athletic Commission would have never allowed that. And the athletic commission is super shady, but I will give them credit for one thing. They take the safety of the fighters very, very serious. And they would never allow such ignorance in, in a in a contract. Like that just doesn't make any sense to me. And and um I've always been like super against Dana and the way he treats these fighters. They don't make a lot of money to begin with. They no, make they a don't. small amount of 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 the money that you, you gotta think these, this dude has TV deals. Um, they're, they're restricting on on uh, their sponsorships that they can show. I think there was uh, there was an issue with uh, one of the like legendary cut men. He quit because he couldn't he couldn't uh, show like Reebok or something like that. They wanted him to wear something else, and he just he just quit because he couldn't do it. But like they they they've got so many restrictions on how they can make money. It's such a controlled financial environment in, in UFC for you to be like you're gonna lose your bonus and your purse. Like that is some that is. That's some bull, man. Like, like, I'm trying not to curse a lot because I know my son can't hear me. But that's some bull, crazy. bro. It is crazy. And the thing is, too, it's yeah, like, like, when is it? When is it in? 
you can do this. You can run a promotion and and make a lot of money and still take care of your athletes, man. It it, it doesn't have to be like that over what a few million. I mean, if you're making all that money, like just the good way. I mean, just take care as a human being. Just take care of your fighters, man. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, so um let's see. Alright, so Dana Dana made this whole like rant about, you know, how Espinosa is a snake and this and that. So uh Bloody Elbows John Nash looked at the clause. He he covers a lot of sports, so he's well known, or a lot of the uh, fight games, so he's well known. And his opinion was he said the end result of any clause like this is that it pretty much silences any whistleblower that might see something that they disagree with. And uh, ESPN reported that fighters were not the only ones who were asked to sign the document, Ronnie. The media and the participants had to sign the waiver as well. <laughs> and that ain't the most the ridiculous media. crap I've ever heard. Because they bullied ever Ariel one time. They bullied media people. It's just, it's just ridiculous sometimes the way. And I generally like Dana, but the more you dig into it, man. It, and he got a start in the fight game. When I say the fight game, people, I really mean box. But that's how he got his start, too. So it's just, it's, it's 2020, man. You shouldn't still be acting like it's 1980. You really shouldn't. And in this, and I understand oh, yeah. why the fighters, are, and you know what? You don't even have to do that because you know what? If you're willing to be in the UFC, you're willing to put your body at risk two or three times a year. Uh, probably more than that when you got started. So you're already naturally inclined to take risk. You don't have to do that. And if you get some black, bad publicity, you that could be a way to improve it. But that's just not how they're going to do it. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that Dana got his start in the fight game too. So usually when he speaks on boxing, like especially when he was – Early on, he was saying like little nitpicky negative things about it being boring and things like that. I was like, "Stop it, dude! Like you, you know the game. Like you know exactly how it works. Um, I mean, it's UFC structured like a, a a Bob Aaron promotion, or I mean, it can't be an Oscar De La Hoya promotion because he gets people paid. But it's definitely structured like a Bob Aaron. I'm gonna get every penny out of you till you're no good to me." Then I'm going to parade you out for a little bit and, and suck you dry a little bit more. And then you can go do whatever you want to do at Bellator or whatever the other place is that they use. But Aram's thing was he would run those dudes dry. And when they got done, they could go help Oscar do his startup until Oscar made it big. And he started actually taking fighters from him. Then it became a problem. So, I mean, Dana's the same way, man. Like, I, it's the same model. I think it's terrible. I'm, I'm more disappointed that the fans never call him out on this bullshit, like, at all. Like, I feel like, I understand, like, they care about the sport, but I don't feel like you care about the sport if you're not pro-athlete, if you understand what I'm saying. Because the, the athletes change, are what make the sports. The promoters don't make the sports. The only way to change is if there's a really negative PR. It has to be destitute people. Yeah. In the case of wrestling, the changes they made, WWE wrestling, people had to die and they were drug addictions. In the case of NFL, CTE, seeing these players live like that, they've got to have all these sob stories on ESPN, which ain't going to happen because they in business with them. But you got to have all these sob stories about how yeah. people are destitute and things are happening to them for it to change. Otherwise, they're never going to change just on out of the goodness of their heart, which is sad. Yeah, it's it is unfortunate. 
Um, but yeah, it seems like UFC is going to keep doing stuff in Florida. Um, baseball is trying to come back. Uh, they've they've worked out a 82 game schedule um, to try to figure something out. I think they're going to make it a regional thing um, where they're going to play in like a certain area. The teams are and, and travel and so forth. But speaking of comebacks, before we end, there is one reported comeback that I'm not eager to see. But I wanted to get your opinion. Apparently, Iron Mike Tyson is on the up and up. He hit the mitts a couple times and moved left and right. And everybody's afraid again. And he's the baddest man on the planet again. Says he's back. I don't know where he's back from. What do you think about Mike Tyson coming back to, to fight? Period. Now, I, I, I saw that he said he was back. Now, So I haven't seen what he officially is back to. Now, if Mike Tyson... Is coming back to actually fight real bo- boxing matches. If he's fighting real boxing matches, then I have a problem with that for his health. Uh, I know Vander Holyfield fought way too long. He's talking about making a comeback too, which is really disgusting. Uh, the last time we saw Mike Tyson in the ring, he quit right there in the middle of the ring. He just said, I'm sorry, I ain't got it no more. I mean, it was probably 20 years ago. But and if he's doing some bare knuckle <laughs> shit or some <laughs> sideshow circus stuff, I had no problem with that. If you want to have a show where Mike Tyson beats up regular average Joes, but if he's actually doing serious boxing, I'm very concerned. And it's really, you're just back to exploiting Mike. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know, man. Just let it go, bro. Let it go. I don't want to see Mike in the ring. I mean, Mike looks, he definitely looks great. I wish I could lose weight like that and, and, and slim up like that, but I've watched a lot of Mike Tyson sparring, a lot of Mike Tyson taping, and, and he looks the age that he actually is. Uh, he was slow. Obviously, with some thud behind his punches, that ain't never going to go away. Yeah, but, I mean, if we're talking go. about him fighting anybody, yeah, if we're talking about him fighting anybody that's, like, young, nah, man. <laughs> Heck nah. And then they're talking about putting him in with Shannon Briggs for bare knuckles. I don't even want to see that. Like I mean, Briggs, is, Briggs do. actually does have CTE. He crazy. Yeah, yeah. He's really crazy. I almost interviewed him, so I know I even got scared about that, which is funny. I ain't scared of nothing, but I was like, nah, this dude <laughs> in Miami. He talking about meet him at this spot. Nah, I'm good. I'm good actually on that. Um, but yeah, so sports are slowly coming back. Slowly coming back. I know you don't care, but German soccer league um, oh, is going to start. Um, I want to say sometime this weekend, maybe Saturday, I think, is the league starting back up, which is significant because they're one of the, the like three or four major soccer leagues. Um, I think the English soccer league is talking about coming back in June. Um, I know the Spanish soccer league, who has Messi and all of them, they're working on some stuff. Except baseball is trying to come back. NBA is is the old folks say pussyfooting around. I don't know what they got going on or what they're doing, but. Um, I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know if we're gonna get an NBA season. That's that's actually like scary for me to say because like you know if you'd asked me a month ago, I was like, oh yeah, they they're gonna come back. But now I'm just like, I don't know. Like, they're, they're does so, the NBA come back? How do they do it? Like, what's their game plan? They're so p they're, they're so PC that they don't want to defend every and offend anyone in any way. So it makes it harder for them because they're the socially conscious group they don't even want to take extra tests from people because they think that looks bad so you're gonna have a hard time if you're not willing to crack some eggs to make the omelet it's to come back this definitely is a crack the eggs kind of situation 
Yeah. Um, NFL obviously ain't gonna care. They're gonna play one way or another. Yeah, yeah. So they already put their schedule out. I would be. Yeah, I'm not even. I'm honestly. I'm of all the sports leagues, they're the one that I least expect to actually um, to not play. So I'm not too worried about that. I am a little nervous about college sports. I'm keeping an eye on them, especially with news that the NFL might uh, move to Saturday games um, earlier than expected. Not sure how that's going to work out, but I'm, I'm keeping an eye on that. And before we go, there is one other semi-breaking news thing that we should cover. Zion Williamson apparently took money to go to Duke. Shocker. This is very shocker. shocking. It, it is. It. I can't. <laughs> I, I am just so You know, I really shocked. think people think we're crazy. People think we're crazy when we say these things. They they just think we're just talking or, or we're crazy. But I I bet you we could go back on threads and find where you, me, Corey, and pretty much anybody that's following the the underground of sports was saying like that that kid definitely got paid. He definitely got paid. Matter of fact, I know for a fact I called it out when Coach uh, Coach Cal like pissed off. Um, Coach K and, and they had that little spat where they were going back and forth. You never see those two talk about each other. You never see these these big sister schools is what I call them. Like, cause cause Kentucky's Nike and um, Duke is Nike. Like they don't new, normally go back and forth like that unless it's about a recruit. And the only way, cause he was supposed to come to uh, Kentucky to my knowledge, and I know Kansas had backed out um, when they got put under investigation. That was also a red flag. But the only reason why Kyle would even speak on one and duns, somebody of his caliber, especially with his resume, talking about one and duns, and, and he's coaching guys into the NBA, yada, yada, yada. Okay, buddy. That whole shift in his mentality was a key to me, was an indicator, like, you just mad. Some Somebody somebody said he was coming and, and probably put more money on Duke's side. He just happened to get the short end of the stick, I guess. I mean, if there's a totem pole, it's probably Duke, North Carolina, and everybody else. So, yeah. there it is, man. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not shocked, man. You just can't. It's just not. It's, it's just like, but it's it's stupid. It's it's like uh, it's like the prohibition in the 1920s or or marijuana now. It's mm-hmm. such a ridiculous rule and regulation that p- people are gonna do it anyway. Because the it, it's just it just shouldn't be that you can't compensate these players and the, the shame of amateurism. It, it's just no one's gonna ever respect it because the payoff is way too great. Look at how much money Zion made for Duke. The payoff is look how much money it's basketball and football, but look how much money Cam made for Auburn. One player can change a whole program. So why you know in two or three guys and. And we're seeing guys actually. Um, I don't know. I don't know where they are as far as like um, their place on the the ranking list. Where I know I've definitely got more notifications of, of amateur athletes now um, going to the G League. I don't yeah, know I if that's that. because of the idea that Corona Corona might delay some of the um, the college basketball season or something like that, and they just rather just get it out the way or what. But but it seems to be a slight movement. Guys going G League, not even overseas, but actually to the G League, 
And um, I mean, I, I think in order for the product to continue to, to push out at a high level, they're going to have to give and start paying these kids something. I mean, most of them are already getting paid anyway. Let's be real. I mean, I don't know if you saw that documentary um, that HBO did a while ago um, on the, the underbelly of, of uh, college basketball recruiting, but there was, uh, there was a phone call with Will Wade and I think the Adidas rep, and they basically just openly admitted, yeah, he's like, ah, we'll, we'll pay him more than that. <laughs> like they just said like it was like fifty thousand dollars and they just kind of like laughed it was like man we, we'll pay more than that so it's definitely already happening so i just like, i'm with you man it's, it's like the whole marijuana thing like it's just taboo man just let it go make changes get with the times but um all in all golf is coming back too so all these things that i bet on that ronnie doesn't care about will be happening so <laughs> i will still be active yeah, I'm, I'm running out of so, ideas. Here. Um, check us out. Pull into the well. Don't forget yeah. to rate, check review us the out. website. Check it. Yeah. Review, rate. Um, we are still doing our draft grades. We just had some <laughs> slight delays for Sleepy Mother's time. Day. And then obviously people have family obligations. Uh, but we will be back on that. That will be on the website in a written form. Um, don't forget to check out the wrestling podcast. Um, they actually have a team turnbuckle group now. So all you snotty nose uh, booger eaters, as Jay Holly calls you, <laughs> can all go over there and, and talk about your nostalgia and fake wrestling. No, I'm just I actually like it. It's it's a great group. Um, and then we are going to come back with a uh, backdoor cover episode, um, talking about the NFL schedule and um, early lines to target uh, before the season starts. And I will say that there will be some helpful information in that about travel time and, and, and just situational plays when, when to fade and when not to fade, things like that. So I did finish the season at 54% last year, which I think is pretty good considering my usual NFL track record. NFL was really, really difficult, but it was 54% against the spread. Um, and I was in the top 100 in the um, in the little challenge thing that they had um, the super contest um, didn't get paid, but I finished top 100, so I was pretty proud of that. So hopefully next year I can be able to talk to you, Ronnie, and say I won like twenty thousand hey. dollars and so forth and so on. Yeah, and I'm using the IBS. I'm using the IBS East's name, so it's it's definitely free free sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> they see us out there. So this has been the Yeezus report. As we jack the RC report, um, RC report will probably be back sooner than later. Um, I'm going to sign off, let Ronnie sign off as well. We will get you guys back with more content next week. All right, folks. Don't, that was pretty fun with the IBS users. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast. To subscribe to the podcast. Give us five stars. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Uh, I don't know what else is There's our Patreon page. There's so much other stuff to plug. But just hang in there. We'll have sports back soon. And we'll see you next time.